Welcome to this week's podcast from Bethesda Church of God in Sumter, South Carolina. We hope you enjoy this inspiring message. For more information, check out our website at BethesdaCOG.org. Wow. Come on, give yourself a big hand. You sang today. (laughs) Wow. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. Wow. I love, I I don't know how it's sounding there, but from here, when y'all got to singing on that chorus and it was echoing in the, wow. I, I believe, I believe God had to look over at his son and say, now that is singing. That's singing. That's real singing right there. Amen. Praise God. I, I need you to help me. Um, I, I believe most of you would know this little song, but it'll go with my sermon today. And I just want to set some things up here. So if you don't know the words, that's okay. Just kind of fake it. Um, but I grew up hearing about a fateful trip that started on, it said, just sit right back and you hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip that started from this tropic port aboard this tiny ship. Hallelujah. All right. Oh, that's it. That's it right there. Julia, you have it? Okay, now we're going to sing that. It might not have been spiritual when, we, when it was written, but it's going to be spiritual today. Amen? And you'll see where it's going with my sermon, okay? All right, here we go. Just sit back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a faithful trip that started from Ship. The mate was a mighty sailing man, the skipper brave and sure. Five passengers that sailed that day for three-hour tour. A three-hour tour. Now you're in it. The weather started getting rough. The tiny ship was tossed. If not for the courage of a fearless crew, the minnow would be lost. The ship set ground on the shore that day, that charted desert isle, with Gilligan, the skipper too, the millionaire and his wife, the movie star, the professor. Now you can go home and tell people, what was church about? Oh, we sang Gilligan's Island, hallelujah. <laughs> well, there's a purpose. We're not just singing about Gilligan's Island. I'm preaching today and then there was hope. Now, as long as Gilligan was on the island, they didn't have any hope. But I just want to tell you, Jesus is on our island. No matter where we're at, he's there. Would you turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 4, verse 18? 
And uh, I do want to compliment you and thank you because I'm seeing more and more people who are bringing their Bibles to church. And I appreciate you responding to the challenge that I gave you to uh, be a Bible-toting believer. I'm, I'm glad that you're accepting that challenge. Romans chapter 8, verse, chapter 4, verse 18. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Now here's what that is. They didn't have any hope, but they believed anyway. Abraham did not have anything tangible to hold on to, yet still he still hoped. You may not have anything to hold on to other than you've heard it preached, you've heard it sung about, you've heard people say, all my hope is in Jesus, but you don't have anything to hold on to, hope against hope. When there is no hope, Jesus is our hope. Father God, I thank you, dear Lord, that you have given us hope I thank you, dear Lord, because all our hope is in you. It is not about what we can accomplish. It is about what you can accomplish through us. Now, dear Lord, I pray that your anointing would be in this message and that you would allow us to receive it as meat for our souls. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Have you ever been desperate? I mean, really desperate? I'm talking about so desperate that you didn't know even if God could answer your prayer. I, I've shared this before, but one of the most desperate times I ever had in my life was a financial desperation. And, and you know, you might say, well, big deal, preacher. What? Life isn't all about money, it wasn't, but I was battling a battlefield in my mind. See, the devil was convincing me that I was going to be without anything, I was gonna lose everything I had, and he had convinced me my wife and my child and I would be homeless, and I had sleepless nights. I had anxiety and nervousness and fear. The battle was going on. And a lot of my financial problem that I had experienced was brought on by me. I was young and no problems were gonna come my way, but it did. Jackie and I were making good money. Jackie had gotten in a wreck and was not able to continue to work, so she lost her job. I, I had a good job at the time, and the uh, company was bought out, and so they downsized, and I was one of the casualties of that. And so we went from making way above average money, of which we were spending recklessly, uh, to zero. And then... The folks that I had helped, they didn't have money to help me. 
They were still needing help, and now I felt desperate. Now, I'm talking to you about a financial situation, but your desperation might be different. Your desperation might be like it was another time when Jackie and I were wanting to have a child, and the Lord, uh, we had prayed about it, and we had asked God to help us to have a child, and years had gone by and no child and and then we i went to the doctor and the doctor said uh, look you might want to just consider adoption and i told jackie that and that is not what she wanted to hear at that time and and tears were flowing it was a time of stress and distress and and our hope had been shattered because the words of a doctor. Now, I praise God for the doctor. I praise God that he was trying to be helpful. But I found out through my life, and I've lived long enough to know now, that whether it's a preacher, whether it's a doctor, whether it's a lawyer, no matter what it is, that's a human being. And human beings do not have the final say. Amen. While we were crying, my wife was pregnant. That's the truth. While we were in distress, she was with child. We just didn't know at that point. I just want to tell you today that there is hope. Where is the origin of hope? I believe the origin of hope was back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And it was a prophetic hope where it said that Satan would bruise Jesus. In other words, will crucify him. But Jesus would overcome the devil and destroy him through his blood. It was prophetic. It was way back in the first book of the Bible, God saying, I want you to know through the rest of the book and through the rest of your life, there is hope because I didn't start this thing without knowing the end. I've got it all under control. He does. He's got it all under control. So think about it. God, from the foundation of the earth, had a plan of hope. He created man and woman, and he created them in his image. But that wasn't hope. That was the creation of man and woman. But the, create, or the, the, the blessing came, as the Bible says in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, and when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law and I want to tell you when Jesus was born it brought hope into the world and today there is hope I want you to turn to someone right now and say there is hope now we just sang about Gilligan but now I want to tell you a real life story it's amazing that in Acts chapter 27, we hear of a story that is very similar 
to sit back and you hear a tale, tale of a fateful trip. Because this happened in the life of the Apostle Paul. And I want you to know that when all hope is gone, all hope is lost in the natural, there is still the Lord. Now I want you to go verse by verse with me. And in chapter 27, verse one, it says, and when it was determined that we should sail into Italy, they delivered Paul and certain uh, other prisoners unto one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus band. So now it, it was set that they were going to travel into a place that, that uh, in verse two, it says, and entering into the ship of uh, uh, Adramatium, we launched, meaning to sail by the coast of Asia, one Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, being with us. Now, they had determined that they were gonna sail to a place and it was interpreted, if you looked up the name of it, I shall abide in death. Now, how would you like to know that you're getting ready to go on a cruise and they say, where are you going? Are you going to the Bahamas? You're going, uh, where, where are you going to Cozumel? Where are you going? No, no, I'm going to uh, a, a Dramatium. And, and uh, in other words, I, I'm going to, I shall abide in death. Somehow, I just don't believe the ship would be very full. However, that wasn't the case here. If I'm not mistaken, there was around 276 passengers on this boat. This wasn't a fishing boat. This was a boat that was going to be carrying a, a lot of cargo and also a lot of people. But then let's jump down to verse nine and it says, now when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them. Now, what happened is the weather started getting rough. What happened here is they set sail with the purpose of everything's gonna be fine. Paul, in this case, was a prisoner. And their job was they were going to deliver him as a prisoner. He wasn't the only prisoner on board. And, and the charge was that we have to safely get him to the place that is directed to us or either we die. And so they get out on the, the water and things are going good, but verse nine happens and sailing became dangerous. Have you ever had your life work like that? You started out and you knew that there could be some danger, but you just had hope that everything was gonna be okay. But sure enough, sure enough, the thing got dangerous. 
Sure enough, your best laid plan, you had planned and planned and planned, but then something crazy has to happen. Have any of you ever planned a vacation that worked out something like that? You planned in advance, you took the time off, you gathered brochures, you lined up the hotel, and you were going to have the time of your life, and then the boss calls and says, I'm sorry, you can't have that week. Or either someone winds up in the hospital. Well, sometimes life will bring about danger. Understand, life is not promised to us that everything is going to be smooth sailing. In verse 10, it says, in the midst of the storm, God gave Paul a word. Man, I feel like shouting on just saying that. Right in the midst of the storm, God gave Paul a word. It was dangerous still, but God gave Paul a word. I want you to hear something. Paul was in the will of God, yet still he was in the midst of danger. Paul was anointed by God, yet still the ship was being tossed. Just because you're a child of God, just because you become a Christian, doesn't mean that your boat isn't going to rock sometime and doesn't mean that life isn't going to be dangerous sometime. You have to understand that God gives us the victory. We have hope no matter what the circumstances of our life is like. So Paul got a word from God and he said, be of good cheer. Get happy, basically. Now, let, let's read it. And he said, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only to the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, Centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than the things which were spoken by Paul. As a pastor, I can't tell you how many times I've tried to warn people that the path that they're taking will lead to destruction. I, the reason I preach like I preach and tell people that there is a hell and tell people that there is a place where sinners go to is because I love you and I want you to know that life is dangerous and if you don't listen, you could wind up in that place called hell. The reason I try to warn people is because the Bible says whatever we sow, we will reap. And if we sow destruction, we'll reap destruction. If we sow evil, we will reap evil. Why do I preach what I preach? Is because I want you to understand I don't want your boat to sink. The world is never going to understand the word that we give because they are listening through worldly ears. They are looking through worldly eyes. Y'all know what I'm talking about because some of the things you used to do now detest you 
are detestable to you because you look and go, I can't believe I ever did that. I can't believe I ever was that low. Why didn't you change earlier? Because you were listening and looking through worldly eyes. Paul said, I've got a word and I perceive that we're going to have danger but the centurion basically said, I know more than you do. I just want to tell you, don't be discouraged, mama. Don't be discouraged, daddy. Don't be discouraged when you're praying for your children and they're not living right. And they know more than you. They know more than you ever thought about knowing. You just keep praying. You just keep believing. You just keep saying, I've got a word from God. And if it's a word from God, hear me. If it's a word from God, your ship isn't going to say, uh, sink. And your children are not going to go to hell. They're, your children are not going to continue in the path because God is going to give you the victory. Would you believe that with me? Then verse 12 says, after they did not believe Paul, and because the haven was not commodious to winter in, and more part advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain to Phoenicia. So in verse 12, the haven was not commodious or convenient, so they set sail to do their own thing. Someone needs to hear what I'm preaching here today. See, we're living in a world that sometimes standing up for what is right is not convenient. Come on. Everyone else is drinking and you're not. Hopefully. Everyone else is telling their smutty jokes. But you're not. Hopefully. Everyone else is doing the drug thing, but you're not. Sometimes that's not convenient, especially when you know people are laughing at you. When people are saying you're not really cool, you're not part of the group, you're, you're, you're not in our little clique anymore. Here's the reality of the matter. Sometimes being on the ship is not convenient. Sometimes staying, taking a stand is not convenient. So Paul did what wasn't convenient and he said, you better listen to me because my word is not the word of a human. I've been talking to the king of kings. I've been talking to the Lord of lords. I've been talking to the God of all creation. And the word that I'm presenting is a word from him. And so uh, just because uh, it looks one way doesn't mean that it's the same or it should be followed. And then in verse 13, something happened. Listen, and, and when the south wind blew softly, when the south wind blew softly, they decided, hey, we're going to take off and we're going to continue. Paul said, we better be careful, but the south wind is blowing. 
Paul said, the path we're taking can lead to destruction, but the south wind is blowing. In other words, we're gonna be fine because we've got a nice breeze behind us and our sails are gonna be wonderful. We're going to make it without any problem. Sometimes we have failed to listen to the word of God because we had a gentle, soft breeze blowing behind us and it looked like everything was okay. Sometimes that gentle, soft breeze is we've got enough money in the bank that we're not struggling. And so it's a gentle, soft breeze. We really don't need the Lord, not right now, because we've got a gentle south breeze blowing behind us. And, and, and we don't need God right now because all of our cars are in good working condition and, and we're, we didn't have to hitchhike to get to church. And so we've got a gentle soft breeze blowing and, and and also I've got a good job and good health. Everything is blowing my way. Everything is good. I can't tell you how many times the devil has used a good, soft, gentle south breeze to blow in people's direction to let them think that everything is okay. Just because it's a gentle breeze doesn't mean it's a breeze from God. Someone help me out here today. See, the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths just because the breeze is blowing. Just because it's blowing how you want it to blow doesn't mean it's blowing from God. The haven was not commodious and, and now there's a south wind blowing and, and not long after, listen, and not long after it says that Eroclodon happened. But not long after there arose against it, against the south wind, Eroclodon, it happened. Do you understand Arachlodon simply meant a violent agitation happened? Y'all help me. Come on now. Arachlodon happened. Right in the midst of a storm, Arachlodon happened. Or right in the midst, pardon me, of a south breeze, Arachlodon. Everyone say Arachlodon. Right in the midst of everything going good, a violent agitation happened. Man, things can't get any better. I've got a south wind blowing. Life is good. But then the bomb hits. Rockledon happens. Do you understand? And I want you to hear me again. The apostle Paul is still on board that ship when Rockledon happened. A man of God who wrote more books of the Bible than anyone else, he is on board that ship and he is going through the violent agitation. 
I want to hear, I want you to hear today, somebody hear what I am declaring to you that right in the midst of your south wind experience, when life starts turning upside down for you, that doesn't mean the end. God is going to bring you through a rockland and your violent agitation. He's going to bring you through. Verse 15, the ship was caught and we could not bear. We let her drive. And that right there is a problem. Oh boy, now I'm getting ready to meddle. Y'all bear with me. We can't control it, so we're just going to let it happen. Live and let live. Okay, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. It is what it is. We don't want to stir up anything, so just let the ship go anywhere it wants to go. That's how a lot of parents are parenting. That's another sermon, but grab hold of that one. You let your little, your little child let their ship go wherever it wants to, and I promise you it won't turn out good. You let your boat just be tossed any way that you want it to be, and you better hope that God's involved. Come on. So the ship was caught, and we let her drive. What happens when life tosses you, spins you, frightens you? Don't let life drive you, but let God drive you. Always let God drive you. Verse 17, they girded the ship. And when they, they, they said, well, let's undergird it. Let's wrap it up. And, and we're going to put ropes around it. And we're going to try to secure it so that it can hold together. And, and God must be the one that undergirds us or our ship will fail. And you better rely on God to undergird you uh, because if not, Verse 18 happens, and, and when it does, it says this, and we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. It, it didn't, what happened to the south wind? And a lot of folks, please hear me. When the south wind quits blowing and we get into the tempest, I must have sinned. I must be some horrible person. God doesn't love me anymore. God doesn't care for me because he's letting my ship get rocked and, and, and we're, we're in turmoil because I must have done something wrong. No, you may have done something right. And the devil is saying, I want to hinder you from accomplishing what God has set out for you to do. I just want to tell you, don't you get weary in well-doing. Fight through. You'll reap in due season. Now, they were afraid of the quicksands. When's the last time you've experienced quicksand? The quicksand of depression, the quicksands of fear, the quicksands of anxieties or addictions, and, and all of that can happen. And, and verse 18, exceedingly tossed with the tempest. And in verse 19, they cast out the tackling. They, they started lightening the ship. Sometimes we need to let go 
of the things that are hindering us. All right, here we go. Y'all bear with me. Give me about five more minutes. Some of us won't let go of this. This is what we rely on. We rely on Abraham. We want to make sure we got a lot of Abrahams. We can trust in Abraham. Amen? Yeah, I'd like to have a couple of hundred million of these. There'd be a lot of people in this church blessed if that happened. All my hope isn't in Abraham. All my hope isn't in Jefferson or Washington or any other president on a picture that we could name. Well, who's your hope in? Well, some of us can't let go of this. We can't even tithe. Amen. Because our hope isn't in Jesus. We know how much bills we have. We know. That's not what my sermon's about. Let's get back here. If we can't trust God with our finances, we probably can't trust God with our mental state. We probably can't trust God with our turmoil and our anxieties. The Bible says, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. That's a hard thing to do, to take your care and say, here it is. We were talking about that before service, men in particular. We're fixers. We got to have it. We're in control. We can do it. Julia makes fun of me because I'm a gluer. <laughs> if it's broken, she brings it. She says, Dad's a professional gluer. <laughs> he knows about Gorilla Glue. He knows about, I'm a fixer. I don't want to throw it away. I, I want to fix it. I, but sometimes we get so caught up we get so caught up in being who we are and relying on ourselves, I can fix it. I can fix my money problems. I can fix my emotional problems. I can fix my marriage problems. I can fix my drug problem. I, you, you can't fix any problem you have. You don't have the ability to fix your problem. Trust me. I, I've been pastoring a long time. I've heard alcoholics, I'm just going to work my own plan. Well, you just work your own plan. But sooner or later, you're going to need a God to come and undergird you. I've talked to drug addicts. Oh, I'm just going to work my own ideas. I can get free, but sooner or later, you're going to need a God to come and undergird you. Your marriage is messed up, and you think I can just self-help myself read enough books, but you're going to need a God to undergird your marriage, or your marriage is going to hit the quicksands of life. And I'm here today to tell you, I don't want that to happen to anybody in this church. So I'm going to hurry here. But they emptied the tackling and that's when God could work. It's when you come to God and you say, there it is. I don't have anything else. I've got to have you. 
I'm not smart enough. I'm not big enough. I'm not educated enough. I need you. I can't figure it out. I need you. I don't know which way the wind is blowing now. My ship is just going any old direction. I've unloaded all the tackling. There's nothing left. I need you. And when you do that, that's when God will show up and say, that's all I was waiting on. I wanted you to get out the way where I could come in there because I am hope and I am the way and I am the one that will deliver you. So what happened here? Uh, Paul, Paul did what uh, most any good gospel preacher would do. Let me get to that in my notes. I'm skipping down. Someone say hallelujah for that. <laughs> Didn't have to say it that loud, but uh, amen. Verse 33 through 35, I want you to look at that. There, uh, Paul does this. And when he had spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then they were all of good cheer, and they also took some meat. Right in the midst of a storm, Paul said, why don't we eat? That sounds like a real preacher, doesn't it? I mean, eat. What is, why was Paul able to eat? The same reason that we quote so often, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies, right in the midst when it's not convenient I'm going to eat because God's going to bring me through. I'm not going to starve. I'm not going to be shipwrecked. My ship is going to make it. God gave a word and I'm going to believe that God is going to keep that which is committed unto him. I've got hope when there doesn't look like there's any hope. I've got hope. And in verse 36, then they were all of good cheer and ate. I think I said earlier, 256, it was 276 people on board that ship. 276 people got happy. They were just a few verses before all messed up. Would you stand? They were all messed up. We're gonna die. It's gonna be over. Paul said, God said, if we stay on board the ship, please listen to this. If you don't listen to anything else I say, please hear this. Everyone look at me and listen to this very much. Stay on board the ship. Amen. And unless you have to move, unless you're moving toward the altar today, I'm going to ask you, this is the most important part of any service is the altar service. And I'm asking you to be very reverent during this time. But be people who stay on board the ship. When I was at Irmo, there was a woman that had three children 
and an unbelieving husband. She would come to church and, uh, and, and she'd be faithful for three to four weeks and then we wouldn't see her maybe for three to four months. Then she'd come back, get right in church, get in the altar, pray. And, and one Sunday, she opened up to me. And she said, Pastor, I just want to tell you how it is. When I come to church, everything goes crazy in my home. We fuss, we fight, we carry on. My marriage goes south. My children fight, bicker. It, it's a war zone in my home. And when I quit going to church, then things settle down. And I told her, I said, this time, you've rededicated your life to God. This time, you stay on board the ship. This time. This time. I said, no matter how bad it gets, you be in church. No matter how many fights and arguments go on, yelling and screaming, you stay in church. She said, Pastor, I'm going to do it. And she was true to her word. I want to tell you, she came after a little bit. This is the truth. Her husband, who was probably somewhat of an agnostic at that time, he started coming to church. Now, he wouldn't, he wouldn't get involved, but he sat there. You ever seen people who come to church and they just sit there kind of like this? Well, that's kind of how he was, like, I'm here, I'm here to check y'all out, y'all a bunch of goofs, I'm not. But somewhere, somehow, the same spirit that touched that woman touched her husband, touched her husband. So her husband got saved and started attending church with her. Every one of her children, all three of her children, they became faithful in church. And I remember the day when she came to me crying again and she said, Pastor, how foolish I was. Instead of fighting through, I would just back off. How many years could I have had good with my husband and my children if I wouldn't have given in your ship may be tossed right now listen I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost very strong upon me right now there is hope for you I don't care what you're facing there's hope thank you for listening to this week's podcast we hope that you were inspired to live a life of purpose for Jesus Christ for more information, check out our website at BethesdaCOG.org. God bless.